Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we could start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option and I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like, so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test. And then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me. Cause I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it gonna come into my life do I what am I gonna do about this to being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was gonna flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was gonna come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram's the shit show my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that Today's guest is Daisy. I love chatting with her. Daisy is the founder of Empowered Introverts, an organization that helps introverts supercharge their people skills without changing who they are. With a vision to make the world a better place, Daisy received a Die Trailblazer Award for her, her volunteering efforts and organized a TEDx conference during the pandemic. She writes about people skills, confidence, and becoming the best version of yourself. We go into so many incredible things in this interview from how being an introvert can actually be a strength and not a weakness, how to network as an introvert, how to write on LinkedIn, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this interview. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Daisy, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, goodness. Um, I think your 20s is all about um, discovering and creating the person that you want to be. And part of that is doing the scary things. So for me, for, uh, the example that comes to mind was when I was early 20s and I was working in a really lovely corporate job with like, some of my best friends around me. It was so comfortable and nice. And I had this opportunity to join a startup and be first employee there. And Sophia, it was like this fork in the road because I could either stay in corporate and I had another job offer, um, which was really exciting. Or I could join the startup, which could fail within six months that we didn't know. And, you know, take a leap and really push myself. And I joined the startup and it was the best decision I could have I could have made. The hardest one as well. I grew a lot during those first six months, but I'm so glad I did it. And part of the reasoning was I'm early 20s. When am I going to do this again? And you just you leap and it's all about exploring and experimenting. It's yeah, it's an interesting time. It's lots of up and downs, I think, in your 20s. Mm -hmm. And was that like your first major leap or have you had leaps like that before? And did you ever have any point of scarcity come up for you during that decision of like, what if I have to go back to my corporate job before? Like, what if this doesn't work out? Walk me through that whole um, yeah, process. Yeah, I, I battle with a scarcity mindset a lot. It's something that is so deep rooted inside me that I think it's going to take a long time to really, really get over that. So it's a conscious thing every day of, you know, there is enough, I am enough, everything. The world is abundant. It's just your your views and your perceptions of it. So yeah, for sure, like I, I left and my colleagues were like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> but there, it was something inside me that just, it just felt right. And I like a challenge, even though I, I hate the instability of it I find that really hard and that's something I'm also consciously learning about how to become comfortable in instability it's it was one of those decisions where I look back and I'm so glad I, that I did it and because of that learning I'm now more willing to do it in the future as well if a decision feels really hard it's probably a sign that it's the right path to take if everything else aligns before that I guess another big leap was moving away quite far for university for college I grew up in the south of the UK and I went to uni in the north in the college in the north and it was just a whole culture shock uh, people live differently they speak differently uh, it was just a whole different vibe and that I think I grew up quite quickly because of just jumping into the deep end and having to figure out who you are as a person that yeah it takes a lot of courage to to put, yourself in, to put yourself in situations where you have to actively figure yourself out rather than staying in, in a comfortable place where your identity has been fixed because of all of your past history and the stories that you've told yourself. Whereas in these new places, you can be whoever you want to be, which is so freeing and also terrifying. <laughs> and what was the biggest lesson from that startup that came out of that whole experience for you? It has, and I'm so for, so fortunate to be in this position, it has helped me develop a mindset of what you want is out there. It's just up to you to figure out a way how to get it. And part of that is deciding what you want and going after it. I, I struggle a lot with not knowing which is the right path. And obviously there's no right path. There is a path and you make it right. But because um, I think the perfectionist in me comes out and it has, you know, it has to be right. I mean, that's just, it's just life. So working at this startup has helped me realize that 
you can figure it out you just have to have like a vague idea of what you want to figure out and then you have you have all the resources within you and if you don't have them then you can reach out to other people and the wonderful creation of google has meant that everything is your is at your fingertips i think it's helped me realize that i have a lot more agency than i ever did before because i have to like i still work there and i have to i have to figure it out i don't have people i can turn to and ask questions or you know people who've been there for 20 years and know the business inside and out if i don't know something i have to find the answer so it's been very very good at that i'm very grateful for this like mindset switch it's given me and from going from the startup and i know now you recently started a company as well last year what was like the turning point or the moment for you where you realized there's so much that introverts can learn to supercharge your skills and there's so much here that's not being accessed what was that moment like for you and how did you realize that this is something that needs to happen so I, I I I realized I was observing on social media that a lot of people who identify as introverts felt like they were being ignored or left out of society because they weren't able to, I guess, fit in in the ways that we're expected to fit in. So especially in the UK, it's typical before COVID to go out drinking after work, go to the pub for, for a pint or two. And if you are more introverted and you don't have any energy, it can feel like you're missing out on on opportunities that come from getting to know people in a social setting or for example knowing how to network your way into a job and there was just a lot of pain that I observed on social media about this and I, I realized that a part of me identifies as an introvert um, and I've also been in a position where I've had to develop quite strong people skills I used to work in public relations which is all about networking as a startup you have to you have to do it as no other choice um, and so I, I kind of linked the two together and I thought I want to help people and perhaps these are the skills that work for this point in time and started writing about it and it seems like a lot of introverts resonate with the things that I write because I write about my experiences and people I know and their experiences and it helps and this is the oh my god it's really like the best thing it helps people feel less alone and that for me makes everything worth it because there's nothing worse than feeling like there's something wrong with you or that you're alone in the world. So if there's anything that I can do to help someone feel part of a community, then yeah, of course, I'm going to do it. Mm. What, what exactly is an introvert and how can you tell that you're more introverted than extroverted or some people like more of a combination of both? Yeah, there are a lot of myths around introversion. I think it's because, well, I want to start off by saying we are really complex as human beings and we like to simplify things into labels, i.e. introvert and extrovert. Sometimes these are helpful, sometimes these are unhelpful. I think they're helpful when they help you realise, they just help you discover more about who you are and then you can leverage that to your advantage if you want to or just recognise it and let it rest. It becomes disadvantage when you use it as an excuse. So I can't talk to that person because I'm introverted. So you see, introverted is is defined differently by different people and different dictionaries even. So Oxford Languages has the word shy in their definition. Britannica says that introverts tend to have difficulty adjusting to social situations. So it's a lot of negative connotations and lots of different things. I follow the Carl Jung definition of introversion, which is all around energy. So we all have this internal supply of energy. And for some people, it's drained by social interaction, even when they're having fun. 
and they need time alone to recharge. And these are the people who are more introverted. Other people gain energy from being around others. And those are the people who are more extroverted. And then ambiverts are people who get energy equally from quiet and, and stimulated environments. So I like to rephrase it as questions. So instead of I'm an introvert, the, the questions you could ask yourself are, how am I energized? What drains me of energy? And then you find your, I, I like to think that we have a, a default. So you're probably either a little bit more introverted or a little bit more extroverted. And once you know that, if you start to feel exhausted and you can't work out why, realizing that, oh, perhaps I am more introverted can help you take the steps needed to recover. So for example, half an hour out by yourself going for a walk or reading a book. And did you always know you were introverted or did you ever have anything come up for you around, is this going to hold me back in my career? Is this going to hold me back in my life or anything around accepting that title? Yeah, uh, I I realized when I was um, 15 or 16 that the way to make friends was to be proactive and put myself out there. And beforehand, I hadn't been doing that. And so it was like a switch. And so I thought, okay, I want friends. This is how I'm going to make friends. And then I was able to learn the skills to put myself out there and get what I wanted. But also over a long period of time, realized I can't do that all the time. Otherwise, I am just very grumpy <laughs> and tired. <laughs> so it becomes a balance. But for, yeah, for, for, for a long time, I was told that I was very shy. And the two aren't mutually exclusive. So you can be introverted and you can be shy or you can be introverted and not shy. But because they're used so interchangeably, many people who are introverts but might become shy because they get told this so many times. They see what the behavior is of a shy person and they might start to mimic it. And vice versa, someone who is shy might be told that they're introverted, even if they are incredibly extroverted, but they take on their label. And when we start using I am, so I am shy, I am introverted, we become that person. We become the stories that we tell ourselves. And it's reframing those stories that helps us change our identity. See, I battled with it for a long time. And sometimes now I do get frustrated that I get drained um, out in social situations, but I know what to do. And so I just take five and I breathe and I you know, come back into myself. And then I go back to where I was and it's all fine. And when you get drained in those social situations, how much time do you take away or like what's kind of your process of re-energizing yourself and then going back? Yeah, it's interesting. And it, it hugely depends on what's happening. So, for example, I was out for a friend's birthday at the weekend and we went to had a few drinks at different places. And there were, I think, eight of us. And I could feel my energy going up and down. And when it went down, I just took a step back and I just watched the conversation. I smiled in the right places, laughed in the right places, but I didn't contribute. I just kind of allowed it to wash over me while I focused on breathing and grounding myself. So there's this weird tip from the author of The Charisma Myth um, who says, Olivia, someone, she says, focus your, on your big toes on the ground. And if you can feel your, your big toes and then your feet on the ground, it helps you come back into your body and you feel that you are safe, that you are held, and you start to become a little bit more energized. And then once, after five minutes or so, five, 10 minutes of just taking a step back, I was then able to come back into the conversation and start talking again. So that was one way. Another time, perhaps if you're at a busy, busy event, 
just need to leave the room for five minutes or so. I love networking events that have balconies because you can just nip outside and have some fresh air and breathe. And then if it gets quite intense, what I like to do is take a deep breath and then visualize the noise happening around me as a wall of sound. So you stop identifying the different sounds and it just becomes this big like cacophony of noise, of sound around you and you are in the center of it. So it's like you're in the eye of a tornado and coming back into your body and yourself and realizing that you are separate from the noise can help you feel that you don't need to let yourself get swept out in it. You are who you are and that's okay. And that's just another good way of re-energizing on the go. So there are a couple of techniques that I use for different situations and it just depends on your mood, where you are, how you're feeling, etc. And for anyone who's maybe looking at, they're an introvert and they think I can't do social situations or I can't do this or I can't do that. And they're kind of labeling what they can and can't do based on the label. What type of tips would you give them to feel more empowered about being an introvert and feeling less like I can't do this or I can't do that? Yeah, I think it's a really a good place to start is recognizing what you really want and don't stop at the first answer. So let's say you want to go out networking okay ask yourself why like what is the point of that to go networking for the sake of networking is just not it's just not fun <laughs> so there's a deeper reason okay perhaps that reason is you want to expand your contacts expand your network okay great so networking in person is one way to do that there are a multitude of different ways what other ways can you think of and then once you've um, narrowed it down to say three or four how can you start taking steps and hopefully not all of them will involve going out to a big event if they are find some other find some other solutions but yeah identifying what you want and then what you really want and then making an action plan is a good way of getting out of the spiral of I can't do this I can't do that I also like to help people focus on their strengths and introverts have so many lovely strengths so for example we're really good problem solvers we have this wonderful ability to focus deeply on something and connect dots, which is why in the conversation, a lot of introverts will take it slow and they will take time to think about what's going on because in their head, lots of dots are being connected from what the other person is saying. Introverts are also really good listeners. So we're often quiet by nature, which helps us become, like leverage the strength easier compared to people who just love to chat. And that's, you know, there are lots of people who are extroverted, think via talking, introverts think in our heads. So we are quite good listeners. And introverts are often really observant. So they're great at attention to detail, which is really like a really good skill to be known for in an organization. Um, so identifying your strengths and identifying what you really want and then matching the two together, it helps you become more proactive. And once you develop a a solution focused way of being so yes I can do that I don't know how to, I don't know how I'm going to do it but I know I can figure it out again it stops you spiraling into this whirlpool of I'm an introvert I can't do x I will never be able to you know make friends have a network grow my career or whatever it is mm. I love one of your posts it was about networking and about how sometimes it's better to do like one-on-one interactions versus like group interactions. Could you go into that and like the power of doing one-on-one and different networking tips you have? Yeah, for sure. So one of the downsides, I guess, of being good at focusing is that 
when there are lots of things to focus on, you get quite overwhelmed, which is why a lot of introverts do get overwhelmed in, in busy situations, because there's so much going on around us. And it's exhausting trying to focus on everything at the same time. Introverts are often typically a lot more sensitive to dopamine as well. And so again, dopamine partly is comes from these like, exciting stimuli around us. So we do get exhausted, which is why one-on-one networking generally is better because you're able to really focus on the other person and dive into deeper deeper topics and, and deeper questions it's it's some it's a piece of advice i give to introverts to talk about being um anxious in group settings it's treat the group as individual people so even though you're part of a group you could change your perspective so that you're just focusing on one person and you're just talking to one person and it helps it feel less overwhelming but with regard to networking tips um Leverage another great introvert strength beforehand and prepare. Preparation just makes you feel so much more confident and it helps you stand out as well. When I talk to someone who's done their research or whatever you're talking about, let's say it's a conversation about um, your career at a company. If they have done their research on, on, on my career, for example, and where I've been and what I've done, and they're asking these really interesting, tailored questions, I mean, immediately they stand out compared to someone else so it's just a really great way of leaving a good impression also following up again like it's just a, a really wonderful way of leaving a positive impression just send an email or a note saying thank you so much for your time I learned this I'm about to put this into practice and then do what do what you said you were going to do again not many people do this so yeah preparation thoughtful questions giving someone 100% of your attention and then leaving a strong um, impression at the end the package of that is just a great formula for for strong networking and what's something you think we get really wrong about introverts or like we think that's totally not correct (laughs) (laughs) that it's fixed that introversion is fixed I think it changes during the day during the months during your life typically younger people are more extroverted like in your 20s for example and then as you get older a lot of people who I've spoken to who are in their 40s 50s 60s and so on further on they do prefer to spend a lot more time alone recharging rather than being surrounded by buzz and that it's something you I don't want to say want to change I think not embracing your introversion isn't helpful because it's a part of who you are and it, that is essentially a rejecting a part of, of yourself which can lead to so much um, inner turmoil so but yeah in answer to your question I think that introversion or extroversion is fixed I disagree with that mm. and what are some resources that you've really loved for introverts um so the introvert bible so to speak is uh, the book quiet by Susan Cain wonderful book it's she she was the I guess is the pioneer for introversion and really championed it at a time when people just thought you were shy or arrogant or there was something you know, a bit odd about you or whatever. Um, so that's a really good starting point. Other books like Sorry I'm Late, I Didn't Want to Come by Jessica Pan is just really funny and really lighthearted, but also talks about how as introverts, we do need to make the effort to put ourselves out there to do the things that we want to do, even if it's hard. And that's okay because you can learn skills how to cope and, and how to cope with it. And then loads of wonderful podcasts like The Flourishing Introverts by uh, Joanne Rothborn. I don't have to pronounce her last name. Introverts in Business. Yeah, there's a like, oh, and oh my goodness, Matthew's, Matthew Pollard's book, The Introvert's Edge, 
amazing resource for networking. I recommend any introvert who wants to learn how to network to pick that copy up. Um, it's really useful. So yeah, it's like a boom, Sophia. There's so many more resources on introversion, which is really wonderful to see. What has your journey looked like using LinkedIn? Like what was the drawing point for you towards using LinkedIn? I see your posts all the time. <laughs> I would like to know a bit about like what your what your journey started off on on LinkedIn. I hate social media with a passion. And um, LinkedIn is the, is the platform that I hate the least. <laughs> I literally <yeah. laughs> um, I So when I realized that I wanted to help people using this combination of introversion and people skills, all the advice is grow a community, grow a list, you know, et cetera. And typically you pick a platform and people pick multiple platforms at once, um, which I think is something that we all go through when we start with. We're like, oh, I'm going to do Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or whatever which I also did, but then I kind of narrowed down to LinkedIn, partly because I hate it the least, partly because um, it's a really nice community of people. Um, and I've met some incredible people um, throughout, like, like yourself and um, like other introverts and people who are just doing so much good in the world. But yeah, it's a journey. It's interesting, the difference between writing content that resonates with your audience and writing content to grow your follower count because I think there are two there's that those two pieces of content are quite different and to really serve your community and the people who are following you and supporting you sometimes you just need to disregard the metrics so if you're looking for likes and shares and comments you can write in a certain style to get that because like, growing a following on any social media platform someone with a big following just knows how to write you know, they just know how to increase their number. But if you serve your audience every single post, to me, that becomes more valuable because you're doing actual good rather than, you know, I got 80 likes and 20 comments or whatever it is. I'm going to increase that every day. So, yeah. But LinkedIn's also been a great lesson in consistency. Like it, it, it's a platform where you need to spend a long time on it to uh, develop a following. And sometimes I forget this in every area of my life and I'm like oh I just want it now but often we're not ready for it now and we just need to go through that process of doing something every day before you're ready for the results yeah LinkedIn's it's great and do you have any tips for someone who maybe wants to start off on LinkedIn today you don't have any idea what to write or where to start like where do you think is a good place to begin so typical marketing advice is pick a niche and then write about that niche. The problem is a lot of people, like you say, don't know what they want to write about. So my advice would be treat a certain period of time, let's say it's four weeks, six weeks, as an experiment. You don't care about the traditional growing your follower count metrics. All you want to do is find out what works for you and what resonates with people. And then once you've picked your time limit, let's say six weeks, Make a list of topics that you like to talk about a lot, you're, you're interested in. You would spend Saturday morning reading about them, listening about them. You're just eager to learn more all the time. And it doesn't have to be literally sit down and Google every Saturday morning, how do I become better at people skills? Like for me, it was all about psychology of people. And but that's too big. So like I kind of went down a little a couple of different routes. So confidence and um, imposter syndrome before I landed on people's skills so within these six weeks you're going to be tweaking so write content to be writing content on 
a couple of those topics and then posting it and see how it feels and see what the response is. Find other people who are writing in broadly in that area and see what inspires you, what excites you. But also put, put a time limit. Otherwise, you can just spend a lot of time just, you know, posting about left things left, right and centre. And the way to grow on LinkedIn is to really niche it down and write for a certain group of people and then make every single post about that topic for that group of people. And so it gets repetitive. And I feel like I say the same thing all the time, but because I love it so much, that's okay. You know, introversion is a part of me. That's fine. People's skills are great. That's fine. So I don't mind doing it again and again and again. But if I was talking about, I don't know, investment banking, like, <laughs> I'm less interested. <laughs> so it wouldn't be as easy to keep going and you just need to keep going like like day after day after day if you can and what do you think it is about LinkedIn that made you hate it the least out of all social (laughs) media platforms (laughs) oh god I I, I think I like the people on it so and also I like writing writing is my go-to and Instagram is okay I'm really rubbish at taking photos and I hate designing things like I can do it I just don't enjoy it so that was a no Twitter is too scary because you've got to write it in very short chunks again that's not my strength Facebook just gives me nightmares because Facebook is Facebook (laughs) and I don't use any of the other cooler ones I'm not that cool so yeah LinkedIn it was and and also it it, like I think mainly because of it plays to my strength of writing in 2020 Sophia I went to a stage of writing a thousand words a day every day for about five months and so I got into the habit of, of writing and knowing what's good writing. And so LinkedIn plays to that strength. So I can just write. And I tend to write as I walk. It's a really bad habit I've got into. Well, I'll be walking to go meet a friend and I'll just like write out three LinkedIn posts and not, not you know, hit a bus or a pedestrian or something at the same time. But it, yeah, it suits my lifestyle, which is why I've stuck with it. And also the people are great. Like the people on LinkedIn are all about bettering themselves. And that, I identify with that a lot. So I enjoy surrounding myself with those people and it also rubs off positively on me like a lot I've changed so much since starting um this journey I'm curious to know do you think there is a specific way to write on LinkedIn versus any other platform like do you think there's a specific formula or something you like to stick to when it comes to LinkedIn yeah so I follow Justin Welsh's formula where he He's, he's, he's amazing at LinkedIn. He talks about the hook, which is the first three three lines. And that the only point of the hook is to draw the person into reading the rest of it. And that's the meat. That's where the real content is. And then you have the summary at the bottom. So whenever I write something, I have to check if it's hooky enough. Will it stop people scrolling? And if it stops people scrolling, then am I giving them valuable um, information in the meat part of it? But I think there is a skill to writing on LinkedIn that doesn't perhaps play into the algorithm because the algorithm, you know, changes left, right and centre. Sometimes it likes polls, sometimes it likes videos. I just stick to writing because it's what I like and it's what I know. And I know that if I do the hook, the meat and the summary, it will start to reach the right people. And I loved your post about being a recovering people pleaser. So to anyone else on their recovery journey right now too, what did your journey look like for you to learn how to kind of like draw yourself back from the need to please other people? Um, Are you a recovering people pleaser? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like it's interesting that we're doing this this week. I feel like this week I've like hit another 
another milestone in, in the recovery process uh, because I realized that I was like, still people pleasing a lot. I don't like letting people down. So like a part of me will always be people pleasing. But I think when it starts to get unhelpful and a bit dangerous is when you forget about yourself, which is what I did. And I spoke to a dear friend of mine who said, okay, what you need to do is, is, is write out a happiness buffet. So spend 50 minutes literally just writing out everything that makes you happy. And then when you feel yourself giving too much of yourself away and losing yourself, and at that point, you start to feel quite low, come back to the happiness buffet and pick something out and start to incorporate it into your life. So I did this and I had a list. And then this week I, I, was, I was thinking about this and I had done I'd given out so much and I was feeling quite drained. And I realized that there's actually one thing that I really wanted to do. And that was just read books. And so I took a couple of evenings off, like rescheduled commitments, um, said that I wanted to, to just practice some self-care and just read. And the, the fact that I had put myself first, told, it gave my inner dialogue a boost. And then it gave my identity a boost of, oh, she thinks that she's important enough to take the evening off rather than push herself to go out or to, to go to a, an event or something. Because I know that if I do push myself, I will do it. But the resentment inside you as a people pleaser starts to grow because you are not honoring your needs. You think it's selfish. Sometimes, sure, yeah. But if you are someone who thinks that you are selfish, often you're not. I, I found that is just really interesting um, that the people who do label themselves as these kinds of things are often the complete opposite, but we're so afraid of becoming that, that we do everything we can to not do it. And hey, you know, a couple of evenings off a week every once in a while isn't selfish. It's showing yourself that you honour your needs enough to prioritise yourself. But like I said, it's a it's like a long it's a long journey. If we had this conversation in ten years' time, I'd probably look back at current me and be like, "Oh my god, what was she doing? Like she just put everyone before herself." But current me is like, "Oh my god, I did a good thing." <laughs> I love that. And what is something that you're learning right now? Oh, oh my goodness, I am on this really interesting human psychology uh, process where I am tracking the import the importance of sleep and how it affects me the next day when I don't sleep enough so I'm learning all about sleep and the impacts it has on us and our psychology because I notice that when I don't get some the minimum I just spend the next day like close to tears it's really bad but the problem of learning about sleep is that you read so much stuff around the dangers of not sleeping and it's not helpful when you're not sleeping. Um, so yeah, I'm learning all about how to do sleep hygiene and upgrade your sleep experience and wind down at certain points before you go to bed and have like a set wake up and set bedtime routine. But I think that also is a part of the self-care learnings that we go through all the time because we shift so much as humans, especially with the seasons. So it's now getting into autumn, into fall. And I've noticed myself and the people around me start to withdraw. And sometimes you just need to accept that rather than continuing to push through it. But noticing it and accepting it and doing something about it are two very separate things. It's easy when you're fired up and full of enthusiasm to just push through like whatever the weather. 
but I think because the, the I can't the na- nature and the surrounding environment affects us so much that noticing it and noticing the impact it has on us is just another part of the human experience. So yeah, very long answer to your question. I think I'm learning to be human. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And what is something you're really excited about right now? Oh my goodness. I have booked a trip out of of the UK. (laughs) I'm so excited to travel. It's been almost two years. I was very fortunate and grew up with traveling being the norm. It's the longest time I've been in the UK, I think, in my entire life without leaving. So, uh, yeah, super excited to do weird things like get on a plane and get off a plane. And I'm going to France, so eat just great food and drink great wine, not speak French and get shouted at by French people, like these kinds of things that you miss. <laughs> and if you were to say one thing that really has changed your personal development journey, what do you think that one thing would be? Um, coming across hypnotherapist Marissa Peer, who has this campaign around I am enough. Have you heard of her? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you that. have, yeah. yeah. And writing the words I am enough all over my flat and on my phone. So I have a, a an alarm on my phone that comes up twice a day and it says gratitude ferocita, which is step-by-step ferociously and I am enough. And like really, really like every single day, going through that mantra of I'm enough because I as a fear I have this fear and I I tend to flip between I'm too much and I'm not enough Mm. like constantly (laughs) ping-ponging between the two and so coming into the center with I am enough and reminding myself of that again and again like it was life-changing and like Marissa Pierce says it's something that we're born with you know we're born as kids as babies not thinking that we're too much or that you know we're not enough we throw up everywhere and we don't immediately hide in shame we just are we're just human and we we learn that shame as we grow up so coming back to my roots of I am enough yeah life-changing but also like a daily reminder (laughs) and I have the final question for you if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self what would you want to tell her So I'm 26, soon to be 27 in January. Horrendous months to have a birthday in, but that's fine. 20. I would tell her to think longer term. I struggle with thinking long term, but looking back at myself then, they think longer term, but also have more fun because things will work out. So it's like, it's like, oh, life is a juxtaposition. This is just a juxtaposition, like a paradox. So think long-term because the best things in life take time and they're worthwhile, but also enjoy the moment and make the most out of every single moment. And that's something that I've adopted since I tend to think of life as in moments and decades. So a moment is right now, you and me talking, but the decade is the, the businesses we're both working on and the things that we do every single day to build those businesses for the long-term. But it's so important to not forget about living in the present. So I would talk to her about that. Bless her. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I appreciate it. So nice to chat with you, Sophia. Me too. Awesome. And where can we find you online? (laughs) Well, see, I've expressed my hatred of social media. Um, LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) And I also um, have a website. Uh, called empoweredintroverts.com which is just lists of resources for, for people who are introverted and I have a newsletter where I talk about embarrassing awkward stories being an introvert and people people skills tips 
so yeah you can find me find me there thank you guys so much for listening i love if you can leave me a review on itunes please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with i hope you guys have a great rest of your day